if you have a business or you have an opportunity to solve someone's need, you can, you can make money. You can monetize that. Absolutely. If you don't know what to do in the core value side of that, money's going to lead you in the wrong direction. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Bro, yesterday's episode was legit. Whatever you posted this morning was fire. Yeah? You like that? Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, I mean, there comes a point, man, where you just... You got to do that. Mm-hmm. It has to happen. Yeah. You know, too many people, you know, I think too many people in today's world just feel like they're deserving of your attention. They're deserving, hey, I need this from you and I want it now. And we want instant gratification. And it's like, A, I have a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, I have a family. And C, you don't pay me yet. Yeah. So I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not jumping at your beck and call. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was good. I think, you know, you'll get a ton of positive affirmations on that one. Yeah, and, th- and that's what I do. Like, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's what I, lo- I, lo- I love doing. Like, going through the shit, learning something from it, and then posting about it almost immediately. Sometimes when I'm going through it and kind of mm-hmm. giving my, okay, this is how I'm going to attack it. Then you guys let me know how you would attack it, you know? And I right. think more comes from those posts and entourage are on my personal page than, than the, you know, cause people post wins all the time and they may include the lesson, but for the most part, they're just posting wins. They're just bragging. You know what I mean? Like at least including well, the lesson. Half the time those wins don't even happen. Right. It's more like, Oh, we're about to, or we're gonna, you know? Yeah. Fixing to. Yeah. And <laughs> th- that, that was probably one of my first posts I did that the other day was about the course and the book and the yeah. event. And I just want to start building anticipation. You know, yeah, and so that's more of a marketing play, but it, it does. It also holds me accountable. You know, like I said, I was going to put out a course. I said I was going to put out a book and an event all by Q one. So I gotta, I gotta get this shit done. You know, yeah, bro, so, I'm running out. Yeah, exactly. All right, brother, let's get rolling here. Do it. All right, guys, I got Keith Goss, aka the Money Mentor. He's a husband and father, a native Texan. He was in the Air Force for five years and law enforcement for nine years. He built a party rental company that he exited successfully. And now, uh, most recently, he got into investments. Tideland Financial was born. And um, even more recently, Tideland Consulting was born. And uh, Tideland Consulting is, is, is really interesting. How would you describe that company, Keith? Yeah, so uh, Thailand Consulting, man, is is really uh, a consulting firm that was built out of me uh, really researching the pain points for all business owners mm-hmm. uh, and looking back in the trials and tribulations that I had as a business owner, right? So uh, I, don't, I don't know anyone that was born a business owner. We all kind of found our way into this world. Yep. Uh, and the typical route into business ownership is I'm tired of working for so-and-so. I'm passionate about this activity, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go create a business. And nine times out of 10, we do that as we're kind of told and mentored by friends and family, right? The people that we go to, hey, I started a business. What do I need to do? Create an LLC, right? Create an S-corp. And we go do that and we check the box and we move on. Yep. Well, 
you know, over the past 10 years of, of being in the financial planning business, being in the wealth management space, uh, we started doing really studying, uh, you know, what are the most common pain points to business owners? And mm-hmm. what we found was there was really no go-to key individual on the roster that they could call and ask questions to. It was, I've got to chase down my insurance guy or my investment guy or my banker or my attorney or, you yeah. know, interprofessional yeah. that would help us there. But the same story kept coming back to me when I would ask a question, hey, what are you looking for as a business owner? What would be the most helpful position in your in your team that isn't a hired position? And everyone would say, man, I really wish that I just had one person to call to kind of help me source all of this different information. And so we, we started digging a little bit further and a little bit further. And this has been over the past three years. And what we came up with was Tidland Consulting. And mm-hmm. Tidland Consulting really becomes the one seat at the table that can help flow all the conversations together, mm-hmm. babysit all the professionals at the table, and kind of what I consider the offensive coordinator in the box. So you, the business owner, the quarterback on the mm-hmm. field, you've got guys that are seven foot nine in front of you. You can't hardly see over them or around them. Yeah. And you don't necessarily know at all times, you know, what position downfield's open or what position's covered. And, mm-hmm. and so ultimately my job at the table and Tyler Consultant job at the table is to create the efficiencies in those communication lines and help the business owner uh, make the right decisions on what they're implementing within their company. So when we look through the lens, you know, what we help with and, and kind of the pain points that we help uh, kind of overcome you know, we, we want to make sure that we're looking at asset protection and risk management as the foundation, right? And so mm-hmm. how did you set your company up? Where did you set your company up? How do you own the assets in your company? How are things titled and how are they organized? And the imperative part there is just to make sure that the, the way that you set your company up in the beginning stages, the infancy stages, remain consistent and that your business doesn't need to evolve to that next realm. So. Right. Oftentimes we get the question like, hey, should it be an LLC versus an escort? Well, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes people are 10 years late asking. Yeah. You know, they've, <laughs> they've left a lot of money on the table, right? They've paid well, too much in taxes. That's what I was going to say is like, you know, most business owners and and everything that you're talking about is very high level, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to dumb it down, right? Most of the people listening to this episode are an LLC. Right. And then they run all their money through it. That's where their personal partnership interest is contained, is in that LLC, and that's it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot a lot of different ways to restructure that, and that's kind of what you guys specialize in at a foundational level. That's where everything starts. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you know, and just to ensure that the proper protection and, and alignment is in place. And so, you know, to your point, it's like we check the box, we form the LLC, and then 10 years goes by and we never really look back at it. So we yeah. never understand, you know, is it more valuable for me to transition to an S Corp or a C Corp or whatever that may look like? Um, and so the, those are those are key areas where, you know, just in um, self-employment tax, the transition between a, a LLC and an S corp, I mean, people mm-hmm. can save a ton of money on an annual basis just in that one realm. Yeah, right. And so, you know, that's where it kind of started was asking questions, understanding that 
you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. So we do it, we check the box and then we never really pay attention. We just continue the, you know, the flow of evolution within our business. That's where it ultimately was born. And since it was born, it, it's kind of migrated into a much bigger uh, planning structure and, and consulting firm mm-hmm. where, you know, we're going into, you know, asset protection, risk management. Like we don't sell PNC insurance. I don't sell general liability insurance. Right. But it's imperative that as your company continues to grow, that those things morph with it. Right. Last thing you want is a lawsuit at year 10 and you've got year two insurance in place, right? You know, you're making 5 million now and you were making 100,000 then, things change. So yeah, I'm, I'm a good example of that. In year four, uh, I had, I think it was a TWC or my insurance company. My insurance company audited us. And our payroll was four times what it was whenever we set up the policy. So I had to go backwards and pay all these uh, payroll. I had to go backwards and pay this huge invoice. It was like twenty five grand to make yeah. up for that gap, basically, that I had been unknowingly screwing them out of. You know what I mean? Right. And, and no fault of yours, right? Yeah. I mean, as a business owner and entrepreneur myself, like the last thing that I want to do in the morning or in, in the evening, open my computer and say, all right, let me let me just double check everything and make sure that I'm still consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work that way. Um, So ultimately, you know, those were the storylines that we kept hearing over and over and over. And and we ultimately realized that this was a viable business Mm -hmm. and we wanted to get away from the traditional investments and insurance conversation with our clients. Um, And so that's where it was born. We launched in January of this year uh, and, you know, we set a goal of onboarding 40 new uh, business clients Mm -hmm. and we've already hit that, you know, as people are hearing about what we're doing, it's just, you know, people are are begging to talk, which is good. It's it's real and it's needed because you, you have one of two things. You have a mentor in your life that is educated on this stuff and maybe even better. They're your business partner and they teach you how to do all this. Right. And you struck gold when that happens. And most people don't have that. Right. And then you start getting around some of the groups that we're in together and, and they start talking about this stuff and you're like, okay, I need to do that. I need, I need to uh, create an LLC for myself so that I can pay my kids. Right. And I, and I won't take from my partner's piece of the pie. Right. And, and so you go back and you talk to your lawyer and they create the LLC and then you talk to, you know, your, your uh, CPA. And so, and then you open up the bank account, but like, right. There is no one, like you said, like an offensive coordinator kind of saying, hey, this is how you need to do this. Put this piece in place, put this piece in place, and this is how we'll make it all work together. You're going to different people for different things, and you're trying to put it all together in your mind. And, oh, by the way, you've got to run a business too. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. And and if you're taking time out of the business and what, you know, when I put my business center hat on, the last thing I want to do is take one and a half minutes away from anything productive. Right. Right. It's all about revenue producing activities, you know, and and then pawn off whatever else that I can that mm-hmm. isn't revenue producing. So, you know, it was interesting coming through this business design by saying, okay, me as the business owner and then me as the consultant. Right. Right. Because I'm having this me, me conversation, which is awkward in and of itself. Yeah. But I think through the the storyline that I came up in, uh, it helped me uncover a lot of things that I would have wanted as a business owner starting out and very well established, you know, selling this business for you know, seven figures. Yeah. Right. So 
I understood what I was after then and then getting into different industries and understanding that the business model may be different, but the same outcome is mm-hmm. ideally the same. That's what we're all after is like, I want to build a great model. I want to make it productive and yeah. valuable. And then I want to exit. Yeah. I want someone to buy it from me. And then once that happens, we started understanding the need for tax minimization, you know, all of these things go hand in hand, business valuation, building out an actual exit strategy early so that we have goals and stuff to shoot for, right? So those are things that that ultimately came to light and came to the table and we kind of organized it in a, in a consulting firm and yeah. uh, it's, it's worked, man. It's been, it's been interesting. Awesome. So let's put a pin in that real quick. Because consulting is such a tough business because there's so many people in it that are taking a model from some other company and saying, okay, I learned this model. I'm a consultant now and then implementing it. So what I, what I love about what you're doing is it's coming from, you know, I'm sure you're pulling from your military experience, your law enforcement experience, but more importantly, you're you're pulling from your business ownership experience with the uh, party rental company and the financial services company. Right. So you've got, you know, however, I'm, I'm guessing like 20 years altogether between that. You're not that old, but <laughs> somewhere Still in there. 40. Yeah. I'm hitting 40. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've been in business 12 years now, you know? Yeah. And so I'm pulling from that experience when I do consulting for building sales teams, you know? So l- let's put a pin in that real quick. And let's go back to kind of your upbringing and everything and what kind of got you into the, the military because there's a lot of similarities in entrepreneurs when we talk about our childhoods and kind of how we were raised. So I'm, I'm curious about yours. Yeah. yeah. So like you mentioned, man, I, I, born in Texas, uh, always be a Texan. Actually, uh, we just started looking at real estate back in Texas. So nice. I may get my way after the school year's over, man, we may be moving back home. Oh, awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, my dad moved me to Jacksonville, Florida pretty shortly after I was born. I still have a ton of family in Texas and to go back often. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> single dad, grew up in the household with him. And, uh, you know, ever since I was young, he always worked for someone. He was in the plumbing industry and, and you know, he was always on call. And you know, so I watched him bust his ass, right? And, and make okay money for back then. But we, we grew up pretty middle class, if you will, right? And then I, I, I saw a, a switch in my dad one day and he just decided I'm going to open a plumbing company. I've got, like you said, I got plenty of an experience. I could go perform the act and make the money, mm-hmm. but my dad had no business. Like he had no business entity. He had no business education. Right. He didn't know how to run the business. So I, you know, I think I was uh, nine or 10 years old when he opened his first company. So I got to watch the failures. I got to watch how it happened, his evolutions. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, he didn't have anyone to turn to back then. Yeah. He really, you know, he had friends, but none of them were business owners. And and so he didn't really have that mentor, like you mentioned to say, Hey, I got a question. Help me through it. Uh, So I watched him, you know, failed at his first three companies. Um, And I say failed, it just fizzled out. You know, it just didn't, it didn't turn into what he wanted it to turn into and ultimately raising me, you know, he had to go back to, to working for someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and then it all came together in the last company, um, which was called Advantage Plumbing here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I think I was 14 or 15 when he launched it. And that was the end all be all, man. He finally made it work. He got into the right room with the right people. Like you mentioned, we're in some really good groups of people together. Yeah. And he found his stride. 
Uh, and I got to witness that. So I watched, you know, entrepreneurship unfold in front of me as a young child. And ultimately, um, school wasn't for me. So I, I go up through high school and I, I decided to join the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely didn't want to work for my dad digging ditches, you know, Monday through Friday. So I was like, right. I'm out. Love you. But one day I'll take the business over after I have some education behind me as, as far as a business center is concerned. I guess he was doing commercial plumbing. He, commercial residential. Yeah, yeah. both. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, he built a pretty good company he had eight or 10 trucks on the road at any given time and, you know, 20, 25 employees. So, you know, he was doing well for what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go off in the military and I go in the special operations world. Uh, I joined in 2000, right? 2000, right, right at the beginning of 01. I get done with all of my schooling uh, and I get stationed in Hurlburt Field, Florida, which is in the, the panhandle uh, of Florida. Um, where did, where did and, that come from? military service uh you know so my no one in my family other than my uh my grandfather uh spent a little bit of time in the military mm-hmm. um but it you know we I, we grew up in jacksonville and this is a very large naval uh um, okay. city right two big navy stations here in as jackson and, and uh, mayport naval station had zero interest on being on a ship uh, yeah. zero interest in being in the Navy coming up. Right. Uh, but it was just one of those things, man. It was like, do I stay here and get a job at the bar serving drinks, you know, or do I get the hell out of Dodge right. and, you know, some persuasion on my dad's side, like, Hey man, you, you know, it, if you stay here, your fate is digging ditches for me until you can figure out how to run the business yeah. or the serving table. So I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> right. I figured it out. I'm gone. So I went to, I, you know, I, I, I tell you how much I hated school. I skipped school one day to take the ASVAB test, which was the military interest exam yeah. back then. Yeah. So I don't know of anyone who skips class to take a test, but that's what I did. <laughs> and it ultimately worked out. Um, so I went to the Air Force um, and, you know, got recruited for the special operations side of that world, which a lot of people don't even think exists in the Air Force, but it does. Oh yeah. Um, I've got a bunch of then, cousins in the air force and they've yeah. flown drones. They, you know, one of them did sniper school and is a sniper for the air force. Yeah. They exist. People think it's just, you know, staying at the Marriott five-star hotel and, you know, not really the military. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that led to September 11th of 01, right. The, every, mm-hmm. the world changes. Uh, I started deploying pretty immediately after that. And uh, through some incidents there, I got out in, in 2005. Okay. Um, came home. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, no major injuries, no, no mental issues. Thank mm-hmm. God. <clears throat> um, and, you know, the, I think the evolution, you go from special operations to military, uh, to law enforcement. Right. It's kind of the, the, the pass through the career track. So I came home and, and, um, I did school for, you know, two semesters and it still wasn't for me, uh, even though I'd grown up a little bit and had some experience. So I, I went to the law enforcement route and did that for, you know, almost 10 years. And through that process, you know, we had a great schedule four days on five days off. So a couple of years in on my five days off, I was like, well, I, I need to do something. You know, I'm bored. Uh, so I, I took a leap of faith and I, and I spent $20,000 on a, and a, a business name that, that had not it. been in. That was, it was it. it. <laughs> I just bought a business name uh, from this guy. He's like, 
I haven't done anything with the business in years, but I'll tell you the name. I've kept it active. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two daughters at that time and this is kind of where it came from. I was like, well, I know how much I'm spending on my kids and I'm sure that people will continue to spend this kind of money on their birthdays. Yeah. So I bought this name. It was bounce around Jack's party rentals. Mm -hmm. And it came with two old crusty bounce houses that nobody in their right mind would ever get into. They'd been sitting (laughs) in the shed forever. Yeah. And I started a business and Kind of like a lot of people, man. I'm, I got an LLC filed. I had my CPA do that. Mm-hmm. I was trusting that he did the right thing. Then I got a bank account at a bank and I was trusting that they did the right thing. And then I just started renting equipment out. I bought uh, a, a handful, I bought about five bounce houses in the first few months. And that was in 2008. And then as we transitioned from 08 to 2014, we went from like five bounce houses to 500 inflatables and cotton candy machines and movie screens and DJ equipment and anything you can think of that you could rent for a party. We had it. Uh, And then we had the opportunity to sell. Uh, So in that transition of, uh, you know, 2006, seven and eight through 2012, when we sold, Mm -hmm. I got my butt kicked, man, just like any other business owner. I made yeah. bad, terrible decisions. I got bad advice from bad people who weren't in business. And so a lot of this stuff that we've created today is, is generated from those processes that we went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we sold, I realized now I really need to figure out what to do with money and invest and save on taxes and figure out ways around all that. And it all kind of blew up into timeline consulting. Nice. And that's where you want your consultant to be coming from you want them to be coming from a place of pain <laughs> you know what I mean uh first and foremost because like I would much rather n- know how to avoid the pain than how to be you know a few more degrees more successful you know what I'm saying so when you think about your first few years in, in business having someone that can navigate those landmines that all of us step into you know for for me mine another one like, example for me was the franchise tax in Texas didn't know ex- existed and all of a sudden I did over, I think it's 1.5 million as a qualifier. I did over 1.5 right. million. I think I did like three that year. And uh, they sent me a bill in the mail for 25 grand. I'm like, what is this bullshit? And I threw it, I threw it, threw it in the trash. I'm like, what is franchise tax? I'm not a franchise. That's not for me. <laughs> and then, yeah, a couple months later, I got another one. Like, hey, if you don't freaking pay this, we're going to, we're going to seize your accounts. And I'm like, everybody says that. The only person that can seize your accounts is the IRS, right? In my head. And then three months later, boom, count frozen, 25 grand negative. You know, this whole deal, couldn't make payroll, had to pull it out of my personal account. Oh, man. Yeah. So if you're in Texas and you don't know about the franchise tax, look it up. Because as soon as yeah. you scale and you get over, I think it's like 1.4 million now, um, they're going to tag you with that sucker. So, yeah. You know, and, and those those are just simple um, things that, you know, we try to keep up with for all of the clients. Right. And, you know, cause you're again, sitting in the driver's seat of a business, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're just not. not. And to your point, like you're going to send me a bill and I'm going to probably throw it away. Cause I've never seen one before. And it's yeah. probably spam because no one trusts anyone these days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those things happen. And then, you know, you, you try to check out at, you know, grocery store and you know, the, the teller tells you, Hey, uh, you don't have any money on your card, and you're like, yeah. "Uh-oh." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't the grocery store. I think it was my uh, software provider at the time. 
hit me up and it's like, yeah. hey, uh, your charge declined for two grand or whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's plenty of money in the account. Look at it. Oh, no, it's negative. All right, let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I ran my business yeah. out of my personal account for six months. It was, it was rough. But anyways... Yeah. But to your point, man, pain's where we learn, right? And, mm-hmm. and also pain is one of the biggest things that people want to avoid. And so, you know, that, that was the idea when we were kind of putting this thing together was like, how do we help people avoid pain? Absolutely. You know, and then that's, it's, it's worked very, very well. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, you know, building sales teams, just hired their first salesperson or, you know, a sales organization. So yep. how, how can we educate our people on how to set up? Because most of them are going to be 1099, or they're going to be some type of partnership, or they're going to be, um, you know, a hybrid deal. How, right. can we, how can we set up our guys for success not to blow all their money, not to pay it all to the tax man? You know, what, to you as a 1099 salesperson, what is the best structure to be set up in? Yeah. So if it's, if it's a hundred percent to 99 income and we coach all the time around creating a management company or a holding company or just your own business, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be glamor. It could be simple, you know, Doug Mitchell, LLC, right. or Doug Mitchell holdings. And, you know, this comes with some regulation. So there's some things we would check on based on the industry, obviously, but mm-hmm. we would want and hope that we could get it positioned to where, your sales organization could pay your sales guy's company as opposed to stroking the 1099 direct to them right. personally, right. right? There's some workarounds in there. Obviously, we won't get into those those weeds on this podcast, but mm-hmm. ideally for, for the employee, the best way would be to figure out how to get paid into their business and then they become a business owner, right? right? And then once they become a business owner, we have all kinds of opportunity to minimize taxes, create strategies for liquidity and leverage and get them in a position to where most 1099 guys go, right? Like they spend all their money on you and on living all year. And then the tax man shows up and they're like, well, Doug, you didn't tell me I needed to save tax money this year, but yeah, exactly. You, you steered me wrong. I'm like, no, that's not necessarily the case, but Getting them into a position where uh, they can become their own business owner is ideal, right? Because it gives them the opportunity to kind of decrease all those liabilities. So once you do that, what are your favorite, I guess, top three strategies for them when they're in that position? Yeah, for taxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, Augusta strategy is a pretty pretty, uh, elementary strategy that's becoming very popular uh, and, and very high level if they own a, a, uh, if they're a business owner and they own a primary residence, they can use 14 days out of the year where the business can rent the house, mm-hmm. and that income from the rent to the individual, right from the business to the individual, is tax free, right? So it's a it's a nice way to to remove some money from the business tax free, right? Uh, and then there's some tax um, deductions on top of that from from the actual payments. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you get some decent money there. It's uh, oftentimes a better opportunity than writing off a square footage of your home office expense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we look at both. Um, so the next one would be if you have children, being able to put kids on payroll. Right? That's a really good opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of move money to the kiddos, um, you know, whether you're saving for college or whether you're just putting it in a savings account and utilizing it throughout the year for their Pay expenses or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, I've got two daughters, they're expensive. And so putting them on <laughs> payroll is, is optimal because it helps, you know, instead of it coming out of our income every month, we we're able to use some of their money to do the things they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two major ones. And then, you know, just utilizing there's the cost segregation studies. There's, there's all kinds of little nuances in there that we can come up with based upon that particular person in the industry to make sure that, you know, we, we're not causing red flags to be thrown up and, you know, audits, some we're not interested in going through. Yeah. I think maybe you and I talked about it a little bit um, that even though I think the max for paying your children is like, uh, or at least last year it was 12, five this year, it's gone up, not using the complete max. So you don't get red flag for an audit. Is that right. kind of a, a strategy that you deploy? Yeah, so twelve thousand is the the standard deduction, right, okay. through the IRS's eyes. And if we pay our kids twelve grand, and you know they they file a tax return, they don't owe taxes, mm-hmm. so that's nice. You can also, you know, get an additional six thousand dollars and and put that towards an IRA, right? So you legitimately could pay your kids eighteen grand, mm-hmm. right? 12 of it's going to them in payroll and then the company can make the contribution for the IRA. Now, you know, six, one way, half dozen, the other on what people feel the IRA's value is because, you know, oftentimes people want liquidity. Hey, I don't want to put my kids money up, you know, for the next 50 years, you know, until they're 59. Uh, So those are conversations we can have to see if the IRA makes sense, but 12,000, I think the, the max this year is like 12,950. Mm-hmm. that you could get out of payroll. You know, we, we like to use 12 grand uh, just as the standard deduction number, just so we aren't pushing the envelope too much. Right. Um, and, then, you know, we got to make sure that we're keeping a log of what the kids are doing too, right? So yeah. if your kids are working an hour a week, you know, sweeping up the shop or yeah. you're utilizing yeah. them for pictures for your website or whatever it might be, we just want to make sure that, it, you know, with Uncle Sam asks, what do they do? We have that log ready for them. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, it's it's the social media, right? Because I, I generate leads through social media. So and then I post my kids on there all the time. And yeah. then uh, the other piece is uh, for my wife. She's got a tutoring service. And guess whose pictures are all over our website for the tutoring service? Right. You know, it's the kids. Yeah. And so yeah, and that's, that's the simplest way, right? Put put them in one of your business shirts or hats, mm-hmm. throw them up on the website, utilize them for Facebook marketing, etc. And that all classifies. They don't have to come in, you know, eight to five Monday yeah. through Friday. <laughs> you know, so that's a misconception of like they have to physically come to the office and do right. work. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So. That, that makes a ton of sense. So one of the things I like to talk about on the show a lot is legacy. And I, I yep. typically reserve the questions around this for the end of the show. It's the last thing that I'll ask you. And I, and I will absolutely ask you this. But in terms of, and this is just a general business owner, kind of getting set up to, all right, maybe I'm not going to sell my business. Maybe I am, right? But understanding how I need to structure everything to one day pass it on to future generations, right? Yeah. What do you feel like is the best setup for a business owner to be able to do that? So if we're, if we're doing a generational transfer to G2, you know, we, we obviously, you know, we want to be mindful in taxes. I think mm-hmm. taxes is the one key word that everyone goes to when they're like, I'm going to sell my business and or I'm going to pass my business down. Right. If we sell the business, we want to be able to, to keep and conserve as much of the capital gains exposure as we possibly can. And there's some workarounds to that, right? Mm-hmm. You can 
cash balance plan in a 401k. You can do a few things here and there that will be able to consume those uh, capital gains as opposed to you sending them to Uncle Sam. You know, <clears throat> there's also really clever ways that are creative financing, you know, how people are actually selling the business so that they don't just get $25 million lump sum checks, right? right? So right. Uh, we can use my dad's company. I just helped him through the exit strategy uh, last year. Okay. We can use that as an example. Uh, so dad sells a plumbing company, um, you know, $3 million, call it for the example that he sold for. And, you know, there's really two ways to sell a company. You can have an asset sale or a stock sale, right? And so really understanding which one of those is the most beneficial to you is going to be the first thing we want to walk through and understand. But once we get to that, then we can really navigate the best way to sell the company. And that's going to be... Are those both multiple sales to where it's it's a... Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So, and, and what we, you know, what we look at in an asset sale too is you actually selling physical assets. Mm -hmm. For my dad, you know, they made the wrong decision up front and they did an asset sale mm -hmm. and it cost them dearly in taxes. Okay. If they would have done a stock sale, it would have been way different and they wouldn't have had to worry about all the little things that they did. Gotcha. Neither here nor there. Um, they made the decision before they consulted with me. So that's on them. <laughs> uh, and so, Thailand Consulting was born. <laughs> yeah. And Thailand Consulting. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, once we kind of navigate what is the best way to sell this, then we can start having the conversations of income needs, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you get a $24 million check, you best believe Uncle Sam's, you know, right behind your wallet. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Well, what if you did a small portion up front and then an annual ongoing payout, right? Those are opportunities. These are all ways that we can structure a sale. Mm -hmm to kind of help offset exposure to uncle Sam and minimize you know, market risk mm -hmm. You get $24 million today. You're certain, you're certainly not just going to put it in a bank account and let, you know, point zero nothing interest grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and in today's inflation rates, you, you're lose 9%. Yeah. Right. So I think just walking through and making sure that we're very clear on the most advantageous way to take it to the market is step one. And then step two is just offsetting all of the, the pain, right? The tax pain, liquidity pain, things of that nature, mm -hmm. so that we can get you in the right position to walk. So that's that's kind of just taking it to market and selling to someone, right? right. Now, transitioning to the kids, man, that's where it gets a little bit easier to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to clump the kids over the head. Well, why sell it? Why not just have them take over ownership? You stay on the payroll. Right. You still have ownership value, mm -hmm. right? You know, most of the time in business anyway, uh, unless you're Nike, right? Yeah. People are buying the business owner. They're not necessarily buying the business. Right. So those conversations come into play too. Like that, if you step out of the realm, like our client's still going to utilize us knowing you're gone. Right. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, so dad stays on payroll. Dad stays in, you know, the mm -hmm. organization, you yeah, made vacation yeah. a lot more. Yeah, that that that's all. You know, is it a relationship centric business or is it a brand centric business? You know, right? Like what we're building right now is brand centric. You know, Origins of Solar is the brand. You know, most of the time when people get installed, they don't even know who Doug Mitchell is, right? right. Versus you know, Thailand Consulting, that's a relationship centric business. You know, and you want to build out the brand, right? You want to have and. and so on the consulting piece, I'm doing the same thing right now. My consulting division is completely Doug Mitchell, right? But what mm -hmm. I want to build out is uh, 
consultants under me that can go execute on the things that I've been teaching them how to do the last 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's kind of how I see it both ways. Yeah. And if you look at it, like I use Tony Robbins as an example, like if, if Tony Robbins goes away tomorrow, like his business is worth zero dollars because there's no other seven foot seven dude who gets up there with his (laughs) charisma. Yeah. Right. There's no other Tony Robbins. Yeah. And so to your point, that's what we've started doing very early on, right? I mean, we're eight months into our infancy stage, if you want to call it that. We're you know, five years into the planning project, but we just really went to market in January. Mm-hmm. We've already got junior advisors on staff that we are injecting into our relationships so that it isn't just Keith. Right. It isn't just you know one of my business partners, Claudio. Mm-hmm. It isn't just David. It isn't just Clayton. Yeah, it's all yeah. of us, and it's it's becoming less me and more Tideland, right? And people are starting to understand. Okay, I'm working with Tideland. I'm working with Tideland. Yeah, and I and I actually will correct people up front. Like, no, you're not working with Keith. You're working with Tideland. I want to get that stigma out of the way early. Yeah, right. So yeah, you're doing good by identifying that and then mm-hmm. understanding like. One day you won't be here and, or you won't want to work, right. but the business needs to go because we have children. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to our mission statement, which is we help each other achieve freedom. And I can't do that without putting them in the driver's seat. I can't be in the driver's seat the whole time, you know? No. And, uh, at, at, at that point, it's like, it's not retiring to the sunset. It's do what I want to do every single day for every single minute. You know what I mean? That's, that's the mission. That, that's freedom right there. That's the mission. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can own a company and have that. Mm-hmm. 100%. We don't have to be stuck behind the screen all day, every day. You just got to build it and, and, and categorize things the correct way and put the infrastructure in place. Yeah. You know? And if we're completely honest, sometimes behind the screen is where we want to be more than on a beach. <laughs> I would say nine times out of 10, that's where I prefer to be. But at the same time, depending on the day, yeah. uh, the beach, is, beach looks lovely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now that was my day about two weeks ago. Yeah. That's when the uh, fuck it's coming into play. And that was my episode this morning. The fuck it's yeah. <laughs> when you're just yeah. like, fuck it. it. I'm going to the beach. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, I mean, again, that's, that's this whole vision of, of Tideland consulting is how do I remove all of these issues from your shoulder and let you decide to say, fuck it, I'm going to the beach for the day. Cause all this shit's handled. Yeah. Or, you know, you can go make more revenue generating dollars and, and, and go be you know, creative we'll, we'll help you on the backside and have yeah. fun. Yeah. So back to legacy, right? Yep. What is, what does legacy mean to you and what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for future generations? So, man, I, I came up with a question a long time ago when I started doing talks uh, and and we I started really heavy doing financial literacy conversations in um, a lot of a lot of the residency programs here because, you, you know, UF, uh, University of Florida Health and, and Mayo Clinic. And this mm-hmm. is a really big hub for school for residents to come okay. through. And uh, one of the questions that, that hit me one time was I used to hold up a hundred dollar bill and I can, you know, to these guys who have spent, you know, $200,000 in college, mm-hmm. hundred bucks to anyone that can, you know, name their full legal name of their great grandfather. And no one could ever really do it. Mm-hmm. I had one guy do it right. One out of probably, I did that for three years, maybe. And and I called him up on stage and I was like, all right, I got to hear the story. Why do you know yeah. his full name? Well, his great grandfather, he never met him, not a day in his life. Mm-hmm but his great grandfather had stuff in place that paid for his college. 
right? Gotcha. And then also paid for his brothers and sisters. So the legacy for him was, I never met this guy a day in my life, mm-hmm. but he's impacted my life in such a tremendous way by doing something so small as like having life insurance or having some investments that could take care of things. Right. And so for me, that stuck with me. It's not about life insurance for me. It's not about leaving a ton of money to my kids or grandkids right. or all of this, but leaving something that they can follow and promote in their life that will get them to the next level, whatever that may be for them. It may not be owning a business. It may be being just the greatest C-suite executive that there ever was. But just having them understand my thing on on legacy is I want want you to know what hard work looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't want you reaching for a handout. I want you putting skin in the game, taking chances and living life on your terms. And if I could be the example to pour into the next generation, my kids, my grandkids, that's my legacy. I don't want them to remember my name. I want them to remember my traits. And if they can carry those traits on, which I think would be way more valuable than remembering Keith Gauze, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of my deal. And, and I think that came through, you know, my my core values and the business core values were, were kicked into my head during basic training. Honesty, integrity, and service before self. Very simple. All, always going to be honest. There's no need to lie, right? What does that look like? It's like this morning I had a phone call with a guy and I'm like, hey, you do not need to hire us yet. That's honesty. Yeah. I don't know how many yeah. sales guys would, would really go out on the limb and right. say, I'm going to turn down three grand of income per month and tell you no, mm-hmm. don't hire. And I think that leads into the integrity, right? Yeah. You know, and then service before self is I'm putting all of our clients before my own needs. And if I can lead with that every day and I can instill those same qualities in my kids, our employees, whoever, mm-hmm. that's the legacy that I'll carry forward. So that's what legacy means to me. It's not about money. Money's easy. Anybody can go out and get a life insurance policy, die, and millions are left behind. Right. But if you don't teach and instill key concepts of being just a good human, mm-hmm. the money is going to lead to two places, prison and drugs, yeah. right? <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. No, I love that. Um, and it, it goes right, right along with a talk I gave a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I've been asking this question now. I've asked it for about 60 episodes. And uh, so I've done some market research on this. And it does come down to those really two things is everybody either says values or uh, something material, the business, the impact that it makes on future generations and everything. And it, so it's, it's, it's material, right? And yeah. so uh, the way I, the way that I structured the talk was, you know, the values are the foundation, the passions, the uh, passions. Um, oh, wow. I forgot my own talk. Um, <laughs> the passions are the work, mm-hmm. right? The work that you put in, what work, hard work looks like, like you said. And then the results are the things, the money. Yeah the materials, the heirlooms, you know what I mean? And so sure. there, there's a structure to legacy, but without the values, all that other shit falls apart. doesn't mean anything. doesn't pass on. Yeah. I mean, I just look at it like, all right, if my dad passed away when I was 18 and he left me 2 million bucks, what would I have done? That shit would have been gone in six months, bro. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. It's like money is easy come, easy go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally is. If you have if you have a business or you have an opportunity to solve someone's need, you can you can make money. You can monetize that. Absolutely. If you don't know what to do in the core value side of that, money's gonna lead you in the wrong direction. Yeah. 
So that's my thing. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. I got two girls. Mm-hmm. So I may be a little bit more sensitive to that side of things than, than most people. <laughs> Last thing I want is my two little girls to be led in the wrong direction over monetary items. Yeah. Absolutely. I Absolutely. want them to know like, all right, if I stick to my core principles, if I do what dad taught us to do, we may go through some pain. Mm-hmm. You need it. Yeah. Right. You need to get your ass kicked, but we're going to end up on the, on the right side of the track. Right. And if we just continue that operation, these kids, future generations will, will go far. Unlike the current generations, which seem to have a hard time even wanting to go to work, which right. is alarming. So I'm doing everything in my power to leave a different legacy than what's going on in today's world with that. You know what? And it's not that hard if you just give it a little bit of effort. I it's mean, your, your, your kids want to hear your voice. They want you to lead them. You know, they, they, they want your time and your effort. And if you just even give them a little bit more than everybody else is, your, your kids are going to be in great shape. They're going to destroy it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one thing I love about business ownership. It gives us the flexibility. If we build the system and we build the team, mm-hmm. uh, if I want to check out at two o'clock and get the kids early from school and go have fun, great. If I want to take them to school one morning, like this morning, my wife had surgery yesterday. Mm-hmm. I have to take the kids to school this morning. Yeah, I got to. They they usually want her to do it, but today I got to. Yeah, and I didn't have to call and ask permission. I didn't have to check my schedule. You know, I just right. one of those things was a byproduct of the hard work and and putting the right people in place. It's great. Well, absolutely, brother. We've we've covered a lot of uh, amazing things in this podcast so far. I mean, everything from you know the the structure of your business and how to basically structure it so it's most profitable for you, and you don't end up funding Uncle Sam to uh obviously how you got your start in the uh party rentals and going through that and everything and of course the the legacy pieces that we put together as well so i really enjoyed this podcast i think our listeners are going to get a ton from it and uh if they want to reach out to you they're at that point in their business where i just hit two million i just hit 2.5 i'm a single llc you know uh how do they how do they reach out to you what's the best way yeah, I mean, I, it, and, and really the milestones in the business are, are not necessarily Dollar needed for conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll offer all your listeners a free consultation. I decided to do that this morning. So 15, 20 minute phone call. If anyone wants to have it, they can okay. call me directly. My cell phone, 904-401-9327. Uh, Tideland Financial and Tideland Consulting on Facebook, Instagram, all the all the socials. Uh, and then Keith at TidelandConsulting.com is the email. Okay. Um, cell phone's great, man. Text, call, whatever. Email's fine as well. My team usually responds to the emails, mm-hmm. typically 24 mm-hmm. hours late, but, you know, they try. Um, yeah. So yeah. phone phone is probably the best if you want some some quick uh, touch points. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. That's massive, guys. So take complete advantage of that, but don't take advantage of it. Make sure that uh, you kick it back to Keith somehow. He's giving you value, you give value back. That's kind of how we work. And so I want to make sure that happens. Uh, we'll include everything in the in the, in the the show notes. Uh, if y'all didn't catch that, just uh, use the show notes there and you can get in touch with Keith. Keith, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show and let's get building. Yeah, bro. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. 
Great sales teams aren't recruited, they are built brick by brick. Let's get building.